You're listening to the Forest School podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Sutherden. that tree next to the digging hole and its roots would sometimes sort of crack the earth a little bit mm. which was uh, that was after a very very dry spell though well that's kind of what's happened now though isn't it it's been really dry and now it's rained loads and now it's windy so I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if it's loads true. of stuff yeah mm. makes the soil dry makes the soil wet pull it out of the ground just doesn't, good have, doesn't have a chance to like mm. percolate down yeah. although apparently it has you asked the worms. Uh, I read a thing by the farmer man that owns Riverford Organic Vegetables. Oh, right. And he said that sometimes it'll be dry, and then I think he said, in fact, he said last year it's dry and then torrential, so mm. it's terrible for soil erosion. Whereas this time, on the first day that it started to rain in this rainy spell, it just did Devon light but constant rain. So it did have enough time to meet the water table. Right, okay. Before this torrential stuff. Woo! Rain chat. Rain chat, because we are in the same room, inside. And it's raining, and there's a big storm outside. Yeah, 40, highs of 45 miles an hour yes. today. So no session work for us, just planning my study wall is covered in post-it notes and planning the level three and trying to find that balance between everything that we want to include and time to digest time, time to play time to play time to not be like blah, 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 blah. yes just to and we've got the balance just right of course it's, perfect. it's absolutely perfect it's going to be perfection and really yeah. fun yeah and not windy no, well, it's because it's going to get it all out of its system right now, so there won't be any wind left in the world to happen uh, the week after next. So it's all Perfect. right. It's all right. It's going to be a heat wave. It's going to make a paddling pool. Going to spend the whole time yeah. playing the paddling pool. Would you rather be uh, too hot or too cold if you had to pick one? Well, I was going to say there's no such thing as too hot, so that probably means I'd rather no, be me too. too hot. But it's never too hot in the woods, ever, even in a heat wave. No. Oh, I just mean in general. Oh, like, okay, yeah. No. I feel like I'm slightly solar-powered. Like, I will take all of the sunshine that you can give me. Definitely. It's probably people listening in like arid countries now going, shh, shut up with your yeah, rain. Exactly. But such is life. Mm. You borrowed one of my books this week. Yeah. Or these last couple of weeks. You borrowed Primitive Technology, a survivalist guide to building tools, shelters, and more in the wild by John Plant. Yeah. Had, had you seen yeah. his YouTube channel before? Yeah, I had, but I think only because you alerted it alerted me to it several years ago okay so when you gave me the book i was like oh it's that naked guy (laughs) (laughs) so it's the naked guy who's on youtube and he's got like hours and hours of footage and he doesn't speak he just like does stuff and the camera's just pointing at him and he does it and then i think he was anonymous for a while and then Mm. he only revealed his name when people were trying to pass off his videos as them or something like that he's spawned like this whole genre on youtube of people now doing similar things and basically basically it's, it should be called cob buildings because it's now like i made the world's most amazing uh cat palace and it's just this <laughs> cob thing with a waterfall and a what it's just cob on cob on cob yeah um and like a lie where so so john plant like he goes really slow and his videos are really sparse like in terms of how frequent they are because it's just him he goes off and he does this stuff the sort of copycat videos because they're financially motivated Mm -hmm. they have like two minutes of them digging with a stick Mm -hmm. and then it like cuts and you and they've dug like a 20 foot by 20 foot trench and it goes Mm -hmm. down you know 30 meters and they're like just with six yeah um there's a some people will know um, primitive technology. Um, not many people, I think, know that it is originally a blog, mm-hmm. uh, and he just filmed it to remind himself while he was writing the blog. Right. And if you turn the captions on, his mm-hmm. blog is a long. So he doesn't speak in the videos, mm-hmm. but as the video is playing, the text comes up as a caption and goes, oh, cool. "Here, I did this, and I found this really tricky, and this bit was in here." And I couldn't quite get that. So it doesn't take anything away from the video because I think there is something therapeutic about, you know, just going... Yeah. As he's, you know, making... Yeah, well, it is very realistic, as you say, like, as opposed to the these other ones that are edited and um, sped up and stuff, that 
uh, yeah, very slow, very like, oh, that's how long it takes to do that thing, mm. and that's how hard you have to work, and um, really gets to that root of that's how long it would take to have done things in the past, mm. you know, if you wanted to have a fire from scratch. Yeah, or a furnace, there's one where he smelts iron ore in a cob furnace, and it's absolutely my, or one, he makes, I think he makes something like a hundred and something roof tiles, mm-hmm. all with Adobe. A, with a little lip. Yeah. So he, and then he fires them all in a kiln and lays them all. Yeah. And it's just this like incredible, like how valuable yeah. just a roof is in terms of time. Yeah. Um, and it's just his hobby, isn't it? Like I did read a bit of his yeah. blog and he was like, I just, um, I think it was on the frequently asked questions bit. He was like, I don't actually live naked in the bush <laughs> in Australia. This is just a hobby. I live in a normal house and I eat normal food and I just yeah. do this as a hobby. Yeah, well, I would say that's one difference between the primitive technology book and YouTube channel and stuff, and the sort of extreme survival side of things, where you would never get to a point as a you know as a like I've been dropped on an island, can I survive with what? Because in this in his videos, the primitive technology guy, he's not worrying about food. He does. He's not talking about his shelter. He's not talking about his like basic human needs he's just going if that's all sorted because i live in a normal house and i do whatever this is the experience of making all these terracotta roof tiles or this is mm. you know so it's not it's it's a different genre to that thing of okay i've got four mice left i've been drying out the jerky from that buzzard that came too close last week i'll never you know it's it's not primitive survival it is genuinely an exploration playing. of like, yeah, playing and it's just playing and going. What if I didn't have any modern stuff? What yeah. would I do? And How I think that's I what makes it? it more closely related to forest school Definitely. because you can watch this stuff and you can look in. You know, the kids have looked through the books a few times and you kind of go, oh, okay, that's fine. It's not like here's how you strap a leg cast together if you meet a bear. It's like, do you want to do this fun thing where you make? Yeah you know activated charcoal yeah and it's not that different to stuff they might already come up with through their own play yeah that's what i quite like about it and i was reading it with my son and he was just getting really excited and going can we do this oh yeah i actually found a thing like that the other day and i wanted to make it into an axe and it's all very um yeah like primal Mm. already yeah as i said before just things that you might already think of if you are a kid with loads of free time in a woods with natural resources like stones and clay and wood and fire, you would kind of almost stumble across these ideas anyhow. And what I quite like about it is that when you're a kid and you come up with like some scheme about like building a house or Mm. whatever, and then either an adult tells you that's unrealistic and unachievable, you're never going to be able to do that, or you discover it through your own uh, play. "Mm." But all of these things are kind of, like they are really basic and have been achieved, Mm. which is what I really like about it. So it's kind of empowering to read some of his things and go, oh my God, but you literally can just make a house out of mud from the ground. Mm. Whereas that's the kind of idea you might have as a kid and just have a little daydream about like, I want to build a mud house in the woods and like sleep in it. And then an adult goes... Oh, you absolute thicko! You can't do that. You can't build a house out of mud, <laughs> but you can, and he's done you it. Can. And you can see the pictures of it. Yeah, I think his books do sometimes. the The book suffers a little bit from. Um, oh, we call it uh, the rest of the fucking owl. Have you seen this thing? No. So there's like it's like a meme of uh, the, like how to drawings, and it's like draw <laughs> yeah, yeah. draw two ovals. <laughs> Draw two triangles, yeah. draw the rest of the fucking owl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes there's bits of that where, so in the book, you can see it and he's like, this is how to make a, a single clay brick. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's like, I made several of these. Mm-hmm. And then the picture is like a three bed house mm-hmm. with, you know, it's sort of, it would be interesting to hear. I mean, that's not the point of this book. The point of the book is like purely the technology of it. I think there would be something really interesting to hear about his thoughts and his like, mental state making several hundred bricks. Mm. You know, what does that level of like monotony, focus, re- repetition, what does that do to your brain? What does that do to how you think about things? Yeah. Um, What's that other, um, oh, Ben Law. You know that mm-hmm. Ben Law book, which is called like Woodcraft or... Yeah. Yeah, is it all Woodcraft? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're quite nice like companion 
books yeah. in that way. Um, that they both do things like yeah, walls and fences and you know stuff that you can make just with things you could find in the forest. But primitive technology has got that kind of more uh, sort of basic side to it in terms mm. of it's just like if you were going to play with some clay this yeah. is where you could take it um, yeah. and I think it is very child friendly this book it's the kind of book where if you did leave it lying around at forest school over lunchtime or break time somebody flicks through it and goes oh cool I want to do this yeah. whereas the Ben Law one's a little bit more like as a leader yeah. as an adult you would flick through it and go oh cool why don't we make some hurdles yes which is yeah. a big project and it's also more resource heavy Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what this book has got going for it is because so much of it is clay or or like small amounts of sticks it lends itself to play because it's not precious about the resources if you mm-hmm. cack up a clay thing you just smash it up you just smash it, it you just yeah. start it again but you know cutting down loads of hazel and making chestnut fencing yeah um or doing you know anything like that in the bed law book is quite like okay guys we're actually making a fence yeah, so yeah. like we that chestnut tree is a couple of hundred years old maybe we don't like, you know, do whatever. Um, I think the, the thing that I like about the, the... It's got a level of functionality about it that isn't, isn't trivial. Mm-hmm. So there's lots, there's lots of very good whittling books, for example. That is a genre of book where the projects are all very... Um, maybe more like whim, on the whimsical side of things. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a whimmy diddle. Yeah. Here's a, 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 you know, a little elder shooter Mm-hmm. thing and those are perfect for some children they meet some needs they're like engaging in a different way this book just has like bow arrow axe this type of house this type of guttering here's a fur you know it's mm. fish trap there's fish a nice trap. like woven fish trap in there it, it meets there's a lot of children that we work with who have got that it's almost like a self-sufficiency urge or like i can be valuable to the community urge because that's where i think a lot of the motivation comes from how often and i think this is a really nice thing children in our sessions will explain to us a project they want to do and it it, the reason they want to do it is already because they want to give it to someone Mm. or already i'm gonna make this because then when people want to do this thing i'll have made a thing for them that's very true i'm gonna dig the steps of the digging hole to make it easier to get in and out of because some people can't manage this thing or or like we were just talking about this week we had i want to build a pulley system so that we can uh then pick the beech leaves for everybody to eat to have the stores of the food and it's easier for everybody and then when they get hungry from digging the pond which is what happened this week they can just go to the special pulley place and get themselves beech leaves from the store yeah and it doesn't really matter you can literally go to the beech tree just next door and pick it that's not the point it's that this has been providing a service yes which is and i think something that we work quite hard because we've kind of i'd say because we've intentionally gone away from uh external you know rewards motivation all that stuff and towards internal stuff and it's sometimes easy to miss that as like that is because we have articulated constantly so and so looks happy with what you've just given them so and so looks at and then that becomes a kind of like oh i'll i'll do this that will make people happy that will yes and I would say that there is also, don't you think, like it shows you that there is an innate intrinsic motivation to like community build through play. Oh, yeah. So if you're kind of really digging deep into um, the evolutionary reasons for play, mm-hmm. then, and kind of play being like little mini democracies, little societies, little communities, those examples really illustrate that in terms of, well, yeah, I'm only a child, only in inverted commas, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the strength, stroke skill, stroke, you know, ability to catch a whole deer to yeah. feed my community. But I can, through play, uh, sort of do my, you know, do my best to kind of imitate adult behaviour, even if that isn't killing mm. a deer, it is doing something, as small as it can be, to sustain the community, to give back. It's, to- a, it's a first go at, like, innovation. Yeah. In a way that I think, uh, I'm just wondering now, as the thought has come into my head, whether you can have innovation, like, selfish innovation, whether there have been any inventions. So I'm imagining there's some to do with, like, the military or that kind of thing. But, like, I would, if I think about the majority of inventions, they probably, from adults, still come with that pitch of, I think this will help people do this. Mm. 
that is what you know it's very rare that someone invents something for themselves they entirely keep it for themselves and they go this won't help anyone else so it won't like oh no I'm wondering if that's just capitalism mm. there is I think it is scrap in, it all I think it is <laughs> in the um, evolutionary playwork book where there is a kind of like example of so that theory Bob Hughes' theory there is that through different ages of the child, they are playing out and reenacting evolutionary stages of humankind. Mm-hmm. And here, there's a little grid in that book, I think, somewhere where it is like between the ages of four and six, children will be doing this kind of thing. And then as the child gets older, it's like early teenage years, it's like gardening and agriculture. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. So this kind of, I don't know, somehow this book sort of feeds into that and kind of, I think can be used as a resource to kind of prompt that kind of play or to almost justify it if it's already happening. Do you know mm. what I mean? So somebody's already interested in pottery um, or like digging clay out of the ground and then you kind of leave this book around or go, oh, I, you know, I actually read something the other day where a guy was using that clay to do this, you know, Yeah. and it can kind of, um, yeah, like prompt and it, it seems wrong to say like legitimise it. Well, I was just wondering, I think on a similar lines, it's something to do with like self-worth and um, sort of, so lots of, I'm reading the anthropology of childhood Mm. and lots of that is talking about um, the age at which children come out of childhood and, you know, for lots of societies there's like Mm. prepubescent and afterwards. Mm. For some, it's like there's um, babies who can't walk Mm. and then there are adults and that that is it like once they can walk confidently mm. they are like okay come on keep up you know mm. you're just a rubbish adult at that mm. point but i wonder if you're not a rubbish adult if stuff like this building like you know cob bricks and you know um furnaces made out of clay and stuff like that that is achievable to a four-year-old you are valuable to the community a lot earlier mm-hmm. and i wonder what effect that has had over the long term of like human history that more and more what children do is like in their own society like oh okay that's valuable in school oh okay that's valuable in in whatever and then like once you get out of it you go yeah yeah none of that really counts like when you've done your GCSEs you think they're the most important thing in the world Mm -hmm. you do your A-levels and people go don't care about your GCSEs anymore you know it's like a weaning out of everything you've done before is Exactly. It's kind of like, as you were talking there, I was just thinking about, well, lots of like homeschooling families and communities mm. would maybe argue that they are following that more yeah. kind of yeah, like yeah. primal almost route. Not, I'm not talking about like they're getting their kids to like dig clay. I'm talking about more like... Getting them down the mines. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, just, you are a child and you just do the stuff that adults are doing. You help you, make the dinner. You, you, you help it. Yeah. Know. Because it isn't like, oh, you are a child and so your brain needs to be filled with stuff. You just learn through living the life of the community that you're in and Mm. learning by watching, observing and doing with all of the community members that you're with. Um, And that being more kind of in line with the kind of childhood you were talking about. Um, And then I was thinking about school and going, well, how much, you know, you might, one person might argue that school is designed to give back to society because you are kind of, training young people and children to have the skills that they're going to need to help the community or you could argue that it's actually doing the opposite and that it's a very capitalist machine which is very individualistic and is constantly going listen children you need to quell all of your natural instincts and impulses now and listen to me and fill your brain full of this because you you and you alone are going to need this when you're older. And if you don't do this, you're going to be homeless. You're going to have no money. You're going to have no future. Yeah. You need to think about yourself here. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't focus on them. Concentrate on your own work. Your work. It's your work. And you're working mm. by yourself. And that occasionally you might do some group work. But really it's all about your progress. And reflect on your progress. And reflect on what you've learned. And have you reached this level yet? Do you know what I mean? And that therefore, you could argue that actually it is completely sort of anti-community and very... Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, I think you're right that a lot of schooling is um, individualistic in terms of you need to be... Especially at the start, when there's that thing of let, we're going to teach you everything and then we're slowly you pick which things you want to follow. Um, but before that, you get this thing of like, you must be good at maths, right? You just have to be blah, 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 blah. And then you become an adult, become. Overnight, you wake up, you're an adult. And um, 
and the working world goes, well, don't worry about that. That's there's accountants. Well, don't worry about that because actually the creative design team make that thing. Mm. And that unless you and and then there are people you know like us, we're self-employed, so we do wear more hats. There are certain things, but even we go, this is out of my remit. Mm. Hey, there's a community locally. You know, we've got an accountant. We've got you know, yeah. we reach out to people and do all that stuff. Um, I was reading something. I was briefly flicking through John Cree and Marina Rubb's new book, which is like incredible, um, annoyingly good. And um, <laughs> we were talking about. And there was a bit we were talking like I'm having a chat with them. Um, <laughs> I tell you, right? So he said some things, and you went, "Yeah." Yeah. I don't think John will mind me telling me. Um, I was emailing John about something the other day, and I needed a time to talk to him. And about three days later, after I'd talked to him, he phoned me, and I went, "Oh, you're right." And he went, "Yes, now isn't a good time to talk, I'm afraid." <laughs> <laughs> Why have you phoned me? Anyway, um, but sorry, we're talking about um, picking up all of the um, like sensory information, and that like well-being and nature connection comes from not excluding some of your input um, channels at the expense of others. So like you're saying about schooling is like, quell your natural urges, don't look at the window, don't worry about the breeze that's coming in, don't interact with those stuff. But, and focus on, focus on the academic, focus on your brain, do whatever. But doing stuff like primitive technology, it by the nature of what it is, you have to feel the stick. Mm. You have to feel the, you know, you could probably accommodate it with like, okay, rubber gloves, if you if someone's got a sensory thing or doing whatever, but actually it's so tactile and so um, interwoven, you know, knowing how thick the clay needs to be to make a brick is not a thing that you can write down an academic, I mean, you probably can, that's how we've got bricks now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one could no one could mass produce bricks. But somebody has done it through trial and error in the beginning. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what this book can inspire mm. with groups. And that if you were a leader maybe who is near the beginning of their journey and you're just beginning to work with groups and you're observing where their play is taking them and thinking about different springboards you could offer, reading this book would definitely make you engage with that very primal mud play, you know, charcoal stuff. Mm. And yeah, I'm gonna say like legitimize it again, like make it a viable thing as opposed to just like oh, it's just there's just some mud there and it's just sort of it's like can be used as a springboard to go well, it could go in this direction, um, mm. and you yeah, it's legitimate, it's a legitimate thing that can yeah. result in a really useful item if you want to take it that far. Yeah, um, and there's something about stuff like primitive technology has I think in inbuilt into it um, like senescence that. What's that? Senescence is like natural decay. Okay. So, um, you know, like we naturally decay, like mm-hmm. things naturally get to the end. So if you make a perfect clay kiln, like you have a group of learners and they make a perfect clay kiln, there isn't a way of making that perfect forever. It, mm. ca- it can't be done. So from a leader perspective, it's really nice to have stuff that, like we recently, the kids, we smashed the rocket stove. Mm. It, we needed to move it. We did something, you know, I think you and I were intending to rebuild it at some point, but the kids kind of went, or a few of the kids went, oh, we're going to make that. Yeah. And fully, ca- they didn't need us. It was mm. just, and it was an experimentation in like, what level of straw can we put in and it will still stick these fire bricks together and what what if we cover it in this and what if we, you know. It's an amazing project. Yeah, it was so good. But that I know, looking at it, and actually this is what was interesting about having a mixed age group is... So the, the kids that were, I'm going to say, leading that thing, majority of them, between 9 and 11, mm-hmm. there were a couple nearby who were sort of 6, 7-ish. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was already going, I bet you're going to remember this when that gets smashed and it's you that builds the yeah. next one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that is kind of missing. If you don't see, you know, that's again another chance for like innovation of like oh i remember the rocket stove and they vaguely build it and you build it it's a bit like natural evolution you know you build something slightly wrong and you go that made it even better or okay that's not made it as good um and i've i've worked with schools before who've tried to do a thing but because of the because of how sort of isolated it is it's like year 3 made these tiles on the side of the thing yeah. and then it goes on 10 years mm. 
and they go, we're going to redo the tiles, and none of the kids saw this tiles being made. None of them, you know, engaged with it. It's it's too long. Whereas at Forest School, I think we have this thing of being able to see it and going that cyclical thing of like, okay, my turn to, well, like that group, my turn to watch on it was this time. Mm. My turn to lead on it is mm. probably next time. Yeah. Um, and they'll probably have someone younger than them then watching it going, you know, you can yeah. have these projects that go and go and go. And I think that's really useful. I think so too. And I think there's an amazing sustainability lesson through all of this stuff, through all of this, like, mm. if you're kind of widening out primitive technology to, like, building stuff in the woods with mostly natural materials, um, then I was just thinking about the, the pond. So we had, like, one go at making a nature pond, reusing an old paddling pool liner for the liner, and loads of us had a go at that and doing various bits on it and hammering the liner to some logs and... You know, we found discovered the ground was really hard where we wanted to dig it, so instead we raised the sides with logs. And then it didn't really result in something that was mm. pleasurable to either look at or use for humans or animals. So we had a second go at it this week, and by no means finished it, and that's fine. But we, just, we, we talked about what happened last time, mm. and how we're doing it this time, and how the ground conditions are different, because it's a different time of year, and it's easier to dig, and we use pickaxes this time instead of spades, and we cut the... You know, and we were like, oh, I need to buy a new thing. Oh, no, we don't need to buy a new thing. We can just cut the liner to a different shape. Of course, that's easier. Um, and that that lesson about, like, something isn't serving you as well mm-hmm. or it has begun to decay and we ca- we have the ability to think about how to fix that rather than yeah. just buying a new one, um, which is what I... I mean, we're very fortunate with our site. We always say that. But I think we're fortunate that it is far away from human habitation it's far away from a building that we could Mm. just go into to get a human-made resource do you know what i mean yeah like sometimes you go we we just can't get there haven't got any more string how can we do it instead or um yeah we could order that on the internet but it's going to take a week to arrive so do we really need to do that Mm. i think that's an amazing sustainability lesson yeah definitely and i think there's something in the especially doing this stuff with children so some of the stuff in, in this book is, um, like we're saying, it's stuff that you would stumble upon, but he has kind of, I don't know whether he's done it by trial and error, but he's kind of gone like, I'm going to burn this axe. And the, the video that you see and the photos that are in the book are the, the result of it working. It doesn't have examples of like, oh, this snapped. Oh, this broke. Um, but a bit like that drama game of like, this is not, where you hold up a thing and you go around like, this is not a thing, this is, this is whatever. Um, anything that you try to make with this, if you tried to make an arrow and it didn't work, you've got a stick for stabby foot, or you've mm. got a thing for, you know, if you tried to make a house and it didn't quite work, you've got a big old mud pile for jumping in. Yeah. You've got a, you know, even when these things go what, what in what might be considered like, if you were being really harsh about it, you would go like, they failed the project, mm. the project has not worked, but it can't not work, because one, you can always reuse the resources. Yeah. But two, anything that you come out that is a um, a mishap, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. is still valuable, possibly even more valuable in a different sense. Yeah, and that's evolution, isn't it? That is yeah. like invention. That is playing around with something with maybe an end goal in sight, and it didn't work out, but you invent something new. Mm. You have no idea what's going to happen. I bloody love it. I bloody love things like the other day, about three weeks ago, it was like the end of the day, and we were kind of getting kids up to where they're collected and I bent down to a kid to go yeah we're going this way and it was like I've a sun and they just stuck a stick in the ground but it was something about where like where the sun was in the sky and that particular bit of the woods that didn't have canopy cover mm-hmm. and they were just mesmerised so they were like looking at it and they were and they still would you know I'm yeah. going to go it's kind of home time now but that is freaking amazing and I don't know how to reconcile these two things but they wouldn't move because they were like I've marked the time on the ground like this is where the shadow was and it's already moved you know and I was just like that is probably what happened exactly what's happened now is probably what yeah. happened the first time a human being invented a sundial the only difference is that you know the word sundial but I bet you didn't start out going hmm I wonder what I should do now I think I'll make a sundial I'm going to stick a stick in the ground you probably just stuck a stick in the ground and then noticed what was happening and noticed that the shadow was a line and noticed that the line was moving bloody love it man Love it. I do think these these 
projects yeah you're right they encourage more noticing um because you have to be in contact with a lot more information than just one narrow channel um we had somebody a, a few weeks a couple of weeks ago now who um had brought in a toolbox and had said can we make some pretend tools mm-hmm. and his <clears throat> idea was to make wooden to- he, wa- he wanted to kind of i, th- I I think what it was was that he had thought that that was the most he would be allowed to do. Mm-hmm. So or be able to. Or be able to. Well, do you think with his? I don't think it was be able. Level? I think it. I think it was a preemptive safety check okay. on on themselves right. to go. I know tools are dangerous, so yeah. I won't ask to make tools. Yeah. I mean, he should have really had the thought process that went. But Lewis is slightly negligent. So maybe (laughs) because I immediately turned around and went, what if we made real ones out of flint? And he just was like, that was it. That was the day. was like, oh my God, you're right. We actually could. And experimenting with how it flaked off. And Mm. we actually had a really interesting conversation about, um, so he'd gone, he'd gone looking for rocks and had come back with a few and we have chert. Mm -hmm. And chert is flint. It's a branch of flint. I can't remember which way around it is now. It's either flint is a type of chert or chert is a type of flint. I can't remember. Okay, someone will know. We have chert. Um, so it's not quite... It gets sharp, but it's not flint, flint. Mm. And um, he'd picked up this rocket. He was really struggling with um, reconciling what was going on in his head and what he was able to manipulate the stone into. Yeah. So this just this thing of, like, I think in his head he was making, like... A flint, you know, the cartoon, the Flintstones level of like, this will be, it will look like an axe. Mm. It will look exactly like an axe that is made out of metal, mm. but I will have made it out of flint. Mm. And um, we ended up having an interesting conversation about sort of like making do. Mm. And it is, I know it's a derogatory term, but like bodging mm-hmm. and just kind of going like, is that sharp? Yes. Well, I bet you the person, well, I did a lot of eye wonders. Mm. So it's just kind of. A nearby guy. I wonder if the first person to ever make a flint tool made it perfectly how they imagined. Mm. Oh, I wonder if anybody's ever made exactly the tool they wanted the first time. Mm. Um, and that's a huge, a huge, huge learning thing from... And I think it kind of... I mean, we talk about this a lot because we've got an absolute bee in our bonnet about it. But I think it is a product of craptivities. Mm-hmm. Is that like... This is what a good one looks like. This is what a good one looks like and like that you will be able to achieve that. And that um, this is maybe one of the things, if you if you were defining a creativity, mm. is that it's like, it's a one-shot success. Mm. You don't need two or three goes at doing this mm. to get the result. You have, because it's all about efficiency, it's like, you get one go at this, you're at the table for five minutes and then you get moved off to the next thing. And so this isn't something you need to learn how to do quickly, it's perfectly in your, you know? Mm. And so then to be presented with something that was, you know, he really, really wanted to do this thing and make it and look, make it look like the thing. Um, but to be met with this challenge of like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to come back to this. Yeah. Um, is a massive experience. It so. really is. I love it when it happens the other way around and some and a child has made something that you can't really understand, but they really can. So you might look at it and, and immediately think, oh, well, I can see what they were going for, but they really not nailed it but in their head they really have and they're like this is my new system for the thing and you're like great <laughs> to me it looks like a bit of string tied to a branch but you are really dead chuffed with it i love when that yeah. happens i love it um yeah as you were talking i was also thinking about projects that involve like it might be one person's idea to make the clay bricks or change the steps to the digging hole or whatever but then other people like are watching and going that looks hella fun i want to be involved Mm -hmm. and then you end up with a kind of um really organic like human factory where somebody goes okay well can i can i help and then either the person leading it goes um you can but i kind of want to do this bit they immediately puff up their chest like "Mm, well actually yeah or they go well can you dig the you know, they can you dig the clay while I do the thing? Or the new person suggests that and goes, oh, I could help by clearing the ground for you or whatever. And you end up with like a little miniature like mm. manufacturing community um, where everyone's kind of got the thing that they're doing really serious. And everyone, you know, that's really interesting as well when that organically happens. Yeah, made me think again. 
again, of the opposite. So when that doesn't happen, um, because equally... So one of the things that we really uh, have been working on for a while with this, the pro- one of the projects that we've got going, is like this long-term, long-time, um, you know, trying to remove as much as possible that pressure of like, time is running out, or mm. this is the only chance you get to do that thing. Yeah. Everything can be repeated. Everything is very like, don't worry, we're here again tomorrow. Don't yeah. worry, we've got this thing. Don't worry, we've got, you know, don't, it always starts with don't worry, mm. don't worry. Um, but in sessions where we have had um, like a time constraint, mm. and so this stuff, like we've said, primitive technology stuff is monotonous, right? So it's simple, but monotonous. And so it's very physically achievable and social and emotionally sometimes quite tricky because that's an unfamiliar skill um, of like just doing the same thing, doing the same thing. Or um, having to do a stage before you do the stage yes. that you want to do. So this is the bit that I was going to get to where we've had over the years many experiences of people going, I want to, so like one of the, actually came from this book. I brought this book in and I had a group who wanted to then make um, essentially like a, a hazel, what do you call it when, when the hazel stick goes like in, out, in, out, you put posts in. Wattle and daub. Wattle and daub, that's it. So they wanted to make a wattle and daub house. Mm-hmm. And we had, originally, we had to scale the plan down because mm. this person wanted to make like a oh, full on like absolute building. And then other people got involved and it was going to have two stories and a tunnel over yeah. the park, like a... Yeah, it was going to be like a toll gate. Yeah. Incredible. But this person spent, uh, uh, got themselves quite like agitated, I'm going to say, because they were going, we just need to, we just need like loads of sticks. And... You and I, I think, had exactly the same response of like, okay, cool, I can see some over there, maybe over there. Do you want to come get some? No, I can't. <laughs> but can you get? Yeah. Can you get all the sticks and bring them here? Yeah. And like trying to think about that. Do you know what I mean? That kind of like, oh, there's a lot of monotony and brunt work, and yeah. not like physically taxing, just like. It's taking away from the energy that. I need to do the fun, exciting bit that I'm imagining, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like using my spoons in a way that is really unrewarding for me right now, and also I might forget the idea that I had about the weaving of the sticks because that's the main exciting part that I want to do that I've never done before. I've picked up sticks before, and now mm. to do that, it's boring to me, and it's costing me spoons that I could be using on my new thing. Yeah, and it's so interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, how do you answer that request? Where, cause it comes probably every day we get a request like that. Like, oh, yeah. I want to make a fire, but I don't want to do the prep. I want to do, I want to make a thing, but can you just do this really tricky thing? I want this to be a weapon. Can you completely strip this of bark yeah. and do this yeah. and yeah. tie a handle on it? And how do we as adults respond to that? Is it always the same blanket answer or is it like flexible depending on the learner or depending on the time or depending mm-hmm. on. Because I, I'm definitely flexible about that. I often, oh, yeah, you know, of course. I'm often like, hmm. Thing is, if I if I make it for you, like, will that still be your thing? I kind of phrase it back to them as a philosophical question sometimes, and you kind of see. I just like, tell them that it will be mine. Like, if I make this, then it will be my sword. So, what are you gonna find me with? Ah, funny. Um, but sometimes you can kind of feel that that thing I just said about well, I don't want to do the boring bit because I know how to do that, and I want to flex my new potential yeah. skill in this area and if you get that vibe you can go cool I completely get that you haven't ever used an axe before and that's the bit you really want to get to so that's fine I will do that because the thing you want to get to is big enough and important enough of itself mm. to be worth skipping or it, over or there. it can be about leveling the playing field yeah. if you've got a game that involves mixed age children the big ones are going well we can get this thing and we can make it and we're you know, we've been here a bit longer so we can do this. And there's seven-year-old going, I really want to join in, but my competency isn't up to making that thing fast enough or whatever, you know. You go, fine, I'll just get you Mm. involved in that bit. Yeah. Because, again, because you go, next time might be the time. Yeah. You you know, there's less pressure on it. We just kind of go through. I think this book, you know, you're saying it was quite achievable. And, like, so you were showing it to your son. Mm. He was like, I want to make this and I want to make this thing. Um, I'm wondering if just thinking about that, idea of like I don't want to do the boring thing Mm. if looking through the book you would get a sense of so when you watch his videos you get this sense at the end when it's just a still shot of you know the the fire is going in front of a house yeah if you just saw that last shot you would be like yeah that looks like a hut 
But because you've watched eight minutes beforehand, you know how important it is. Mm-hmm. Do you think the book skips something in that because you can flick to the last picture? You don't have to read the other bits. Mm. So the book is kind of giving you a false impression of like, yeah, 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 okay, dig the mud, do whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I know what you mean. Um, I think if you were literally trying to make the stuff from the book as like the book as possible, then yeah, I think it does skip over some kind of key bits. But if you're sort of using it, I guess I'm thinking about it... Like um, an instruction manual. Yeah, so if you're not thinking of it in like an instruction manual and you're more thinking... Cause I, because I'm looking at it through the lens of one of our main groups, mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're not... Maybe a couple of them would sometimes like to use it as an instruction manual, but most of them, it would be like a coffee table book that would inspire mm. possibilities with natural materials. And therefore, I think it's fine because you aren't trying to get necessarily to that finished product. You are going, oh, this person's made a fish trap out of woven sticks. I want to do that. And actually, you probably don't end up with a fish trap, but you do start weaving with sticks, which you've never done before. It's a book of springboards. Yes, that's why. Do you think it would be a different book if... I'm not suggesting we do this by any stretch. Mm. If it was primitive technology done by children. <laughs> so if it was a... But it... I mean, one, would you just include successful stuff? Mm. And two, would it change... You know, would it change the impact of the book on children seeing another child doing it? Mm, yeah. There's a whole... Um, have you seen... I don't know what they're called. Maybe we should try and get them on the podcast. But there's somebody who runs... It isn't Forest School. It is like primitive technology it was like stone age club or something right. it's on dartmoor and not will this, lord i don't know maybe okay it's a dude and he runs this club and all, and all the photos are just like <laughs> will lord is a scare have you seen do you know will lord? oh no the guy with the cape the, the flint napping no not oh the guy do you mean the guy with the cape who shoots stuff with children no, no 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 that's different will lord is like he wears a flayed wolf skit like head right. as a head and he's like a wow. flint napping person. He's not far from here. Oh right, maybe it's him then. I, I say he's know. not far from here. Like I can see him coming over uh, the hill. Like he's he's not far. But yeah. Yeah, but this anyway. This person may may or not be this guy. Um, he will yeah teach the skill. The like Stone Age girl today. We are all flint napping today. We are all mm. doing what's it? Um, yeah, and the photos are really cool because they are kids all just getting on with it, doing it. Um, and it's a different thing. But yeah. Do you think we lose something? In that, because, do you think, so this book is very, I'm, I'm going to say like clean, like sanitised, it's, it's, it's very clean, it's very, like that's why it's sold so well, that's why the YouTube thing works so well, because like I said at the start, it's not about, I've had to gut a fish to survive, mm. like it's all very clear, there's no, there's no you know, the, the shots are all very mm-hmm. well composed and it's all very like, it's like middle class recapitulative play mm-hmm. I think so do you think you lose something if we're talking about it in a holistic way do you think that these skills in some way need that like so for us in in the UK it would be like these sort of skills would be connected to Celtic history and the spiritualism that comes with you know Celtic mm. stuff or Anglo-Saxon stuff Viking stuff that came over that like the forge is like a thing there's you know there's spirits in the fire there's whatever else but if you just read this book you just get a very clean in inverted commas mm. like a sciencey like it must have a draft it must be up here mm. do, do you think doing primitive stuff in that kind of sterile way loses something i've got an email <laughs> quick read it maybe <laughs> you've won a prize oh my god um uh, uh, well, that's a massive question because that comes down to it kind of refers back to the conversation we had with Jenny mm-hmm. on the podcast and whether you want to, one wants to, as an adult in the forest, kind of tell kids these things and go, well, the elder tree has this spirit in it, so when we cut some, we must blah. Or whether you want to invite or teach the primitive technology or facilitate it or make space for it or whatever and then wait and see what comes up in Mm. terms of if they decide there's a spirit in the fire then that's what they have decided you know and there is i would argue 
that if you give space and time to these types of play, that stuff will inevitably kind of come up. So a bit like with the Iron Age house that you referred to that wanted to be built, the Walking mm. Dog house. Um, that started as that, and it started very much as a construction project, and that person who wanted to build it needed help, and so recruited loads of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the construction kind of took second stage because what happened was two tribes were born mm, and one tribe had a face paint of a certain type and the other tribe had a face paint of a different type and this face paint meant that you had been in a battle so if you had this dot on your face then it meant that you had fought one of the other team and actually now we're under attack and now we need to get our weapons ready because blah 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 and the house kind of fades into the but it was the starting point mm. it was the crucible for that very recapitulative play but there did you know but the spirit if, if they'd had more time because yeah. that whole thing stopped because of covid didn't it that mm. whole play cycle that was just like this long ever-evolving magical thing had to come to a real harsh end but the spiritual element of it would was beginning to grow mm. and i think would have grown so i don't think that needed us or anyone else to go well you know the vikings who would have made this type of house or the island people who made this house would have believed that blah 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 Mm. because in this new replayed out version of that life and those humans there was a new spirituality that was happening in terms of this is our symbol this is a symbol of our tribe because blah and therefore we're going to decorate the roof of the house with this thing because Mm. this is our tribal symbol because we live near the beech tree that kind of chat was happening yeah. already. So that's kind of what I think. There you go. That's answer to that question. That was, that was good answer. Deep man. What? So I kind of prefer the fact that it's just like, here's a thing. I'm not going to go, which I kind of was wondering, have, uh, I haven't given you the, um, the Children's Forest book. No, not yet. Um, but I will, because that is more of that sort of stuff. It's way more about like our ancestors uh, okay. ate these foods and our ancestors believed and this tree is a symbol of this and so it is giving you that side of things and you could argue for both I think mm. um, but right now I'm going to go with just the clean springboard thing you can lay over the top what you want in terms of what it means mm. the symbol isn't okay and the check is on a level three reading list on a forest school leaders mm. must read on a Maybe a few years down the line, is it? Um, so that's the benchmark. That's the benchmark. Well, it's just a, a check, is it? I, I wouldn't say it's a must-read, but I would say that early on in Forest School journey, useful, inspiring, yes. Mm, I agree. I think it's. I think if you read it too early in your training, you could get. Uh, it could. It could lead you down a like very skill-heavy, product-heavy. You know. It's not forest school if we haven't made bows in this way. Mm-hmm. It's not forest school if we haven't connected in this way, if the hut doesn't look like this. Um, Which I think is already, a, not danger, but is already a thing that happens because I think when you're early on your journey or training, then you inevitably do a lot of things which are like product Mm-hmm. Focus because you have to for part of your training. You have yep. to demonstrate your competency with certain tools, which always, you know, often ends in a finished product. And I think, I don't know if it's just me, but at the beginning of my journey, I certainly would plan activities with a kind of end goal in mind. And I would often, in my brain, pitch it too high in terms of, yeah, they'll definitely concentrate for mm-hmm. like, you know, I remember my very first ever activity that I led with a group of kids on my level three with another forest school leader in training was like making reindeer. Like mini ones, not like those big right. ones that you see, but like but like you know, drilling loads of holes, drilling and loads sticks of holes, in. finding the holes that look like and finding the sticks that look like antlers that will fit in the holes in the head, finding the legs. You know, it was like yeah. so concentrated, and in our minds we're like, it's simple. It's just like a mini version of it, super easy. Oh my god, you know, big get, learning for you guys. Yeah, massive. Um, so I think that is kind of a danger that you think, oh yes, we'll do this project. Mm. And it will have an ending, and it will all be wrapped up neatly, and then we'll move on to another thing. And in fact, it's sort of yeah. just about mucking about, isn't it? Well, I got in. I wrote a very long. I mean, people who are in the Facebook group were in some of the. I'm not going to say which Facebook group I put it in, but somebody was uh, uh, talking in one of the groups this morning that they had had the email, which we have had. I don't know a forest school leader that hasn't had it, and they'd put the email in, but they'd blanked out all the personal information. 
Um, my child has come home caked in mud. Mm -hmm. I cannot see how this is valuable. Mm -hmm. I understand that, that they were encouraged to get in the mud. Mm. Um, all my child has learned is how to mop my floor, how to wash her, you know, it was like a real like, I don't see any value in yeah. this. What is going on? I, I can't believe you would encourage that. Mm. Um, and you know, this person had put it, what should I do? Mm. And there were quite a few responses and it was becoming a bit of a like, it, a, a, one, it's an echo chamber, yes. right? You're talking to people who already think this thing. Um, but it, as I was reading it more and more, a lot of the comments were just along the lines of like, well, that's what you do at forest school. Well, that's what you do. And I was, I wrote, ended up writing quite a long thing where I was kind of saying, what's happened in that email is someone has come back and said, I do not understand your risk benefit analysis here. Mm. I understand that the detriment is mm. my child's come home muddy and I'm, I, I can't see a risk, I'm not aware of a risk, a, a, a benefit, sorry, I'm not aware of a benefit. Please could you tell me the benefit? Mm. And if your benefit, like, reason or defence is just like, well, that's what forest school is, mm. then I think you've really sold yourself short. Mm. Because what, what that says to me is when you were watching that happen, all you were thinking was, that's forest school. Mm rather than, as we know, you know, there's all the vestibular stuff, there's the sensory stuff, there's the social-emotional stuff, there's all of this stuff going on in my play. But if the only reason that you're doing it is that's what we do at forest school, mm -hmm. I think you could end up in a similar situation with this book where you go, well, that's how you make a bow and arrow, mm -hmm. without any thought about what do they actually want to do? They want it for war games well what's important here what, what's important mm. is then you know learn you know they've experienced that some of the trees snap or that mm. you can't just get one off the floor you know if you just have this thing of well that's what forest school is or well that's what the project should be yeah and also that is very adult centered in terms of i am the expert and you need me to teach you how to make the bow and arrow there is no other way of doing it my way is the best and i learned it from a book which also taught me that this is the way that i do it um mm. that's not good is it <laughs> Well, it's not good because it's like it's very limiting. Mm. It means that the only thing you can do is yeah. this, you know, one one way, um, rather than kind of well, it's it's process, not product, isn't it? It's essentially it. But but understanding the process, not just going. So an example of this thing on Facebook, the product isn't they have played with mud. Mm. That's not what's important. It's not important that they have played with mud. Yeah. It's important because of this happening and this happening and this happening and this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that is a really difficult thing when you start doing forest school. You have this thing of, like, I should do what forest school oh, is. completely. Like, the pressure to use tools. Yeah. You know, for no other reason other than, but I'm not really doing proper forest school unless I, like, get the knives out. Um, it doesn't count. Or yeah. I'm being a coward. Or so I should really do it for my own. You know, those aren't reasons they must have marshmallows that's what mm. forest school is forest school is marshmallows it yeah. is it when it is uh, you know mm. i think but those things come with confidence and experience don't they like you, it's almost like you have to have the confidence to do less oh and i'm not for a second saying i haven't ever looked at marshmallows as a 15 minute time killer at the end of a session when I've run out of stuff to do and you just Yeah, go, or like a positive experience when they've had a lot of negative ones. Yeah, that's or, a much better thing know. than I was saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think that. Um, cool. Cool. Lovely job. Bye. Bye! If you like this podcast and want to support more episodes, you can donate through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash children of the forest to show your support for the Forest School podcast. And a massive thanks to our current patrons, Simon Kenny, Joe H, Brona Steed, Jude Vincent, and Chrissy McEvoy. Thank you so much, guys. It really does mean a lot.